Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Seven Mile Chats. Another just quick reminder to bear with me as I am new to this, and I apologize for any audio issues or editing issues that you might hear. I promise that I'm getting better. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing. And we look at that scripture verse from different angles, historical context, spiritual application, in the hopes that we can come away with some kind of inspiration or insight. A little bit about me I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, I have a master's in theology. If you want a little bit, learn a little bit more about me and the podcast, I've recorded a separate introduction that you can go ahead and listen to. Um, but for now, we're going to get into today's episode, and I'm so excited because my guest today is someone I've known for, we're not going to say how long, but it's been a very long time, mm-hmm. and uh, we've played music together, um, we've led tre- retreats together, and my guest today is Michael Rizuki. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Julia. It's great to be here with you to, to, to talk and to chat and to reconnect. So why don't you tell um, our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I grew up in central Jersey. Scripture was definitely not my thing growing up uh, as a a Catholic, but uh, getting involved in music and and all that. I'm in Chicago now uh, working for Liturgy Training Publications. It's an agency publisher of the Archdiocese of Chicago. And ever since, what, 15 years old, I've been a music director. So I've been keeping that going. um, And uh, yeah, the... That's what I'm up to these days, Julia. I know you wear a lot of different hats. I think that we both have served in so many different ministries over our, yeah. um, you know, we're not that old. So we've, we've accomplished a lot in our, in our youth <laughs> in the church. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm proud of all that you have done and you've accomplished with Thanks. music and then also with your work at, um, in Chicago. Um, so I'm excited to talk about this uh, chapter from Acts or this passage from Acts. So what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you read um, the selection that you chose. Can you also tell us what translation you're using? Oh, great. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) To put you on the spot. That's the one on the USCCB website. So whatever one that one is. The New American. Cool, cool, cool. I like using um, different translations, but I actually also have the New American. So we should have similar. um, Yeah. That even reminds me, I should just check this out in some of our youth Bibles and all that, because they speak to you so differently based off of the version. So Exactly. Yeah. So I just want to kind of see if we're on the same page, which we are, which is great. great. So go ahead and read um, the passage you chose for us, which is Acts 2, 38 and verses 42 through 47. Great. Peter said to the crowd, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all, according to each one's need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple area and to breaking bread in their homes. 
They ate their meals with exultation and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Awesome. Um, so there's so much to dive into um, here and look at. So we're going to get to all of it. I just want to give everybody a little bit of background. Um, so this is from Acts 2. And uh, Acts, the book of Acts of the Apostles, was written by Luke, said to be written by Luke. And if you look at Luke's gospel, it is it does start very similarly to, to the book of Acts. Um, and this is chapter 2. So in chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus ascends like kind of right away. And then this whole book is just the apostles kind of figuring out, okay, now what? <laughs> like yep. their leader is gone. So, you know, hopefully he's given them all the tools that they need. And then in this um, chapter that you've chosen, Pentecost has just happened. So they've received the Holy Spirit to help them preach, give them wisdom, give them all the gifts that they need to hopefully go out. And then after, right after that, Peter gives the speech and you've selected a passage um, kind of from Peter's speech after Pentecost. Right. Did I? get a give a pretty good synopsis of that <laughs> yeah and julia i i remember the one part between ascension and the pentecost right uh, you know ascension jesus said go make disciples and what did they immediately do they immediately went back to the upper room and hid right <laughs> right 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 so, yeah so they needed the holy spirit because oh, they yeah. were given instructions and they didn't listen to them so they yeah. needed the holy spirit to help yeah. them for sure I, I mean julia sometimes when i read scripture i do think of it uh, maybe a little bit uh, Hollywood-like, and sure. if if I ever had the opportunity, and I won't, to uh, to produce <laughs> a broad, uh, not a Broadway, but a move a movie, Pentecost scene would be there, and I just see Peter and the rest of them being thrust out of that upper room with the, that fire, because pre Peter here is preaching with that fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you can feel it, like the. I mean. We, we kind of started in the middle of, of chapter two, yeah. um, but right at the beginning when they receive it, yep. you know, the Holy Spirit comes in with tongues of fire, with a wind. And you and I have done like retreats and stuff. We were this Easter season, we were talking a lot about Pentecost together right. and the idea of the power of the Holy Spirit, like through the wind. It's not just like a breeze. It's like a, it comes in and it yeah. like disrupts things. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and in, and if you look at 37, it says that Peter's preaching really cut them to the heart. And mm -hmm. I think about that, like, wow, that their first reaction was, what do we do? Right. And then Peter says, then be baptized. Um, right. So I was looking at um, some footnotes. I love a footnote. And oh, yeah. I was looking at the footnotes um, in my Bible, which is in the, the New American um, translation. And it says that um, that pretty much the baptism, Luke presents baptism in Acts as the expected response to the apostolic preaching about Jesus. Um so like the baptism definitely is the response. So Peter's saying right. that if you want to listen to this, if you want to respond to this, if you agree with us, be baptized. Right. So um, they go hand in hand, the preaching right. and the baptism. Yeah. And you do a lot with sacraments. Like that's your, your role. You do a lot with liturgy um, and looking at our rights as Catholics, like what we do and like the meaning behind everything that we do, because everything that we do has a meaning. Um, so did you want to talk a little bit about baptism or what did you, what are you getting from this passage why did you pick it i think it's uh, okay let's look at 41 and 42 it's they were baptized 3000 persons that day so in our language that's an awesome rcia day 3000 right, right? <laughs> that would be insane can you imagine <laughs> oh my, wow wow yeah. how is that not a celebration but then the very next passage 42 
they devoted themselves to the teachings, communal life, breaking the bread, and to the prayers. And just, I know, Julia, we love getting some, you know, church nerd going on, but yeah. this pair, <laughs> this one verse is, is the foundational verse for the right of Christian initiation of adults. And this mm-hmm. is the period of the catechumenate explained. Um, uh, the fourfold way in which disciples are made in even modern day Catholicism, right? It's um, it's the community, catechesis, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we do accommodate, accommodated to the liturgical year, liturgical rites, and to apostolic witness. We see that right here. But I think what we sometimes fail to remember is that this type of living is what comes after baptism. So that when those are baptized, this is what you're being baptized. This is how we live. Mm-hmm. And then my last nerd paragraph about this, <laughs> it's it's RCI 244. It's what it is, is it's talking about post-baptismal catechesis. How are we, Julia, you were probably infi- uh, baptized as an infant, right? Yeah. So was I. Yeah. Most of us, I think, are yep. these days. Yeah. And that's what the church is saying this is this exact passage shows up there again too. We interpret the Paschal mystery by this way of life. Um, and the last thing I'm going to say before I hand it over. No, no, no. That's that's kind <laughs> you, of it. No, you do you. Okay, so you said a lot. I do want to respond. So yes. I just also want to kind of break down for you know listeners who may not yep. be as involved in the RCA process. I actually did talk with another um, colleague. He also does RCA at his parish. I'm involved with RCA at my parish. And for those who don't know what that means, it's right of Christian initiation for adults. So for those who want to become Catholic, um, they study with us, we work with them, we prepare them to receive these sacraments of baptism, Eucharist and confirmation at the Easter vigil, which happens, you know, before Easter Sunday. Um, so that's just like, you know, to give everybody kind of the basics. Um, and so the rites of the Christian initiation, like baptism, Eucharist and confirmation, you're right, it's all right here. You know, so that's what you were saying is like everything that we do, um, on that Easter vigil, it's, it's all straight from here. We got the baptism part. They come together for a meal, which is the Eucharistic part. And then we have the confirmation as well, where they're solidifying their, um, membership in this community. And that, um, you know, they get the whole, the gifts of the Holy spirit through all of this becomes really powerful. So uh, you can probably, you can respond to that. Yeah. Well, the, Julia, I, th- I think we're right on. When when parishes yeah. come to me, or when I go to parishes and do talks or whatever, and we, we talk about parish vitality and wanting to make our communities stronger, more mm-hmm. vibrant, I say look backward. You know, we don't yeah. we don't need a, a fancy new church program with DVDs and this and that. It's, <laughs> yeah. If we follow these footsteps, and, and there's the key word, they devoted themselves yeah. to it. There's an intentionality of this. Um, and, and things that we somehow have gotten away from. You know, it, when we look a little bit further down, breaking bread in each other's homes. When mm-hmm. was the last time I was in the home of a fellow parishioner or they were in mine? Since well, COVID. Quarantine, it, quarantine yeah. has definitely eliminated a lot of No, that, but, but actually, Julia... I've been, I've been in more homes now because of Zoom or other video true. meetings. That's true. That's so true. I, I know it sounds silly, but we are in, entering into each other's lives in a different way. Yes. Um, and I think this, this passage, though thousands of years old, is calling us re- to remember our roots, who we are 
as baptized Christians, you know? Totally. And even taking this out, I mean, you can't, you can't take the sacraments out of this and you can't take no. the, the rites of initiation out of this. But if I were just someone who's like, you know, maybe I'm, you know, not as immersed in all of it as, as we are, um, just looking at that phrase that you mentioned, like f- verse 46, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together and breaking bread in their homes. I think anybody can relate to that, you know, just the more that you gather together, get to know each other, you're going to build a relationship. Right. And I love the apostolic community and there's been many like work situations and friend situations where I'm just like, I don't have anything in common with these people, mm-hmm. but the apostles made it happen. The apostles were all different. They were fishermen and tax collectors and didn't really all know each other, but because they intentionally, you mentioned too, like intentionally got together, devoted themselves to that community. They were able to find a common ground and like build a community. And so that's something I think that even not getting into all the sacramental part of it, like, people can relate to like just the more you get to know someone and are intentional about forming a relationship with someone, the stronger, you know what I mean? Yep. But enjoy it. But continue on with that, with verse 46, with exaltation and sincerity of heart, praising God, enjoying favor with all people. And then the very next part in 47 is key. The Lord added to their number because this is the way they were living. This is a very easy cause and effect type of, set of verses right you do this this is what happens i mean i i to me maybe julia call me simple but i think this is like a pretty easy roadmap totally that our forefathers and foremothers left us totally and i think that you're absolutely right you've said um you know, the, the church, we obviously stick to this because we still have the rights in place that we do for like Easter vigil and, and for RCAA. Um, but you're right that sometimes we want to overcomplicate it. We want to try something new. Um, and, and you're right that this is all right here. So we really don't, yeah. we, we stick to the simple. Yeah. We don't need all that complicated stuff. Right, Julia. And if we, and, and for, for those who are listening and are not familiar um, with RCIA, <laughs> you know, that's why so often in my line of work, we're not even, I'm trying not to use those four letters. I'm trying to use initiation ministry, okay. which is fine. I mean, nothing wrong with it, but it, again, it's changing our mindset of like, we are ministers of full Christian initiation. And the way we look at the, we've, we as people, as America, as church, we've overcomplicated everything. Yeah, we totally. needed we needed to make this a class with guidelines and rules and this and that, and it's so easy right in front of us, you know. Mm-hmm. So okay, okay, so then what would and I'm still going to use the letters, even though go it's for a lot it. To You're say, fine. RCIA, it's a lot. I trip over it a lot. Yep. Um, but what would, in your mind, the ideal? formation for someone who's joining RSA, like what would that look like? What's your ideal? Since we well, do try to overcomplicate, what would be the, the best yes. in your mind? I think, and this is also for those who are fully initiated, is mm-hmm. that starting, I, starting with the liturgical year, that's the, that is the calendar that we live. When we gather together and celebrate scripture on Sunday, scripture inherently is catechetical. It echoes our faith. It echoes the word down to us. And how do we live that out? So A, we need those who are fully initiated to be ready to echo the faith. Mm -hmm. And then B, uh, those catechumens or candidates, those who are unbaptized or seeking uh, membership or entry uh, into the church through the sacraments, that would be one. And then the other, it, it really is, it's being together, 
praying mm-hmm. together. And then we always forget about this last part about the apostolic witness or apostolic works. It's we do things. I, we see it there written, Julia, uh, they're devoted to the communal life. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I want to just say about that is, I don't know if you remember being back in grade school, how the community was uh, defined. It's probably the only definition I remember. It's where, <laughs> a community is where people live, work, and play. And I, I, I think about how we as a community help people live better, help people work better, you know? So mm-hmm. that's what it is. Just devote your whole RCIA program on these four pillars. Mm-hmm. You're done. And I, yeah. I guarantee that the roots of discipleship are going to go deeper than a series of classes. Right. Yeah, I'm really grateful. My my parish and the team I'm a part of, I think we do a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. The first thing we always do is we always start with a meal. So like it's always potluck uh, people yep. bring and like, or we have some people sign up from the parish to bring meals um, each week. And um, and then we just dine, you know, we just kind of hang out and get to know each other for like the first half hour. And then we do have like presenters, but we start with like sure. um, breaking open scripture. Every, yep. week, every week we um, prepare we read the gospel for the coming Sunday and kind of like just break it open together. And then we do have for the second half, like a little presentation, but usually on stuff that like they have questions about. Yep. So, um, and we do give them room to like write questions, ask mm-hmm. questions that they want to talk about more about. But anyways, that's, I'm really, I, I love it. I love being a part of that because of that communal aspect, yeah. which we're talking about. Yeah. And, and Julia, I, I, to affirm what it is that you're saying, we all know the importance of sharing a meal together. You know, again, that walk to Emmaus, they were side by side for seven miles and didn't recognize, but it was in that meal, in that gathering together, right? Um, And the rites of the church call us to this. I I do love this. Um, It is living this scripture passage out. Um, There's something called the pre-catechumenate before, you know, when people are still questioning or like, is this really what I want to do? What the rites of the church says, it literally says the faithful, the people of God, welcome them into their homes. That's Mm -hmm. not a metaphor. It is being literal. We are to welcome people into our homes because I think it's where Christ becomes known. Mm-hmm. in that breaking of the bread. It's it's that simple, no? Totally. So then let's talk about, because we you mentioned that before too, and, and quarantine, I think, has limited that. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts then. So what does that look like? How can we go into people's homes and break bread since that is the foundation? Like, what does that look like for you, especially right now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I think it is, uh, if we're going to talk technology, I think it's considering how do we animate some of the people of our community, think about those parishioners who come to Mass every week uh, or have gone to Mass every week, and say, hey, we're going to be doing a a happy hour, you know, a Zoom happy hour, whatever it may be. You don't have to drink, of course. Do what you're comfortable with. But we're looking to gather for a 30-minute conversation, a 45-minute conversation, I want you to meet a catechumen. Well, you know, the, then people will say, but Michael, I have nothing to say. I have n- I'm have, i just a simple person. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know much about, that's not what this is. This mm-hmm. is about building up our baptized as much as it is about building up the, those yeah. who are unbaptized. So I think it is something as simple as 
getting folks face to face, even if that has to happen through a computer right now. Yeah. And and maybe this is giving us some insight into maybe how we could continue this when we're through this, you know? Um, right. It's like, well, I can't give up a whole night to church. Well, I'm not asking for a whole night. I'm asking you to log in for 30 minutes. Right. Share yeah, your stories. I, yeah, go ahead. Go. I have found that like in quarantine, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier too, that because we're all just at home and we don't really have anywhere else to be, um, I have connected with a lot of people that I haven't talked to. I mean, you, for mm-hmm. instance, like we, you know, to be able to just say, yep, I'm home, I'm around, like, let's yep. talk. So um, people, you're right, might be actually more available to something like this, like a happy hour or just a conversation yeah. than we were before than going to a parish hall and like, yeah. you know. Well, think about it. Like, yeah, I mean, the vulnerability, well, the effort, A, of getting into your car or walking down the street to your parish to to put yourself in a very vulnerable situation, right? Like mm-hmm. this and that. Uh, and, but there is something I don't want to, it's, it's like these online platforms are not anonymous, but right. if you want to shut your camera off, you can, you could, you could mute yourself. You could unclick if something gets uncomfortable. Not that I'm mm-hmm. advocating for that. Um, but I, Julia, a few weeks ago, we were doing an adult faith formation, uh, series with my parish online and one of our candidates popped in and this was before people got there and we were able to have a 20 minute conversation how is life oh and and just the basics of sharing Mm -hmm. brought us closer than waving hello at mass Mm -hmm. you know vulnerability i think when we look back to the acts of the apostles and to to the, this whole story vulnerability is a huge thread that goes through so much of our story right mm-hmm. um putting yourself out there mm-hmm. when you don't know what the end is i don't know this maybe i'm walking down a road we don't know no no, no. Right i now. i love that i think i think that's beautiful you're and that it does connect back to what we started with like Peter, he's being super vulnerable. Yes. He's like totally consumed with the Holy spirit, but he is, he's putting himself out there and it, it's, it works like 33,000 are baptized because of all that he shared and putting himself out there. And I don't want to say, I mean, nothing can substitute. I don't think, I mean, there was something still like I, I longed for being back in my parish, um, you know, when I was just streaming mass at yep. home by myself, yep. but I do agree that, um, we can be vulnerable and we can still reach out. Um, and we're learning that in new ways during this time. And that vulnerability, Julia, I think is a graced moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I think it's just so un-American to be vulnerable, but right. so, so Christian to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, say, it, say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard, though. Because vulnerability is also uh, it's not synonymous with humility but they mm-hmm. are in that same same yeah. wheelhouse you know and yeah, totally and that is why it, again connecting it directly to this passage when you put that trust in that holy spirit or the holy spirit just darn infuses you great things are are able mm-hmm. to happen so mm-hmm. we ha- i think we have a a real opportunity in front of us uh, just by reflecting, just by reflecting mm-hmm. on this living word, you know? Totally. I mean, I think, you know, talking about like, what does community look like? And it, it was so interesting, like 
talking about 2020, Pentecost happened, this Holy Spirit that we celebrate in the church, um, we celebrated. And that was actually when I started to get to go back to mass, our, our my parish reopened, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously with, with restrictions. Um, but that was so moving to me. And then also that's when the Black Lives Matter movement really mm-hmm. started to happen as well. And I felt like that was so inspired by the Holy Spirit and vulnerability and people putting themselves out there and saying like, and in and, and, and a powerful way, like we started by saying the Holy Spirit isn't just this little wind, it's powerful. And like what, how much more powerful than like people in the streets, you know, screaming, I mean, just kind of like Peter, like standing and proclaiming. Right. Um, so I, 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 I'm trying to, I guess, take this passage and then apply it in the next little phase of this will be like, what does this look like in real life? You yeah. know, so we've talked about it historically, we've talked about it in the church, what it looks like. And so then now I guess can we transition to like what does this look like just in our like communal life, like in our yeah. societal life? Julia, it's it's perfect to then take what you just said and go back to verse one of Acts two okay. of 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 Pentecost because what okay. you're saying is how do we go forth? We we have very uh, um, strong terms, strong driving wind. Mm-hmm. Tongues as of fire. Mm-hmm. Those are those seem quite aggressive to me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right, but then when it, it, it's not our passage, it's another favorite of mine. But when we go to Galatians and we look at okay. the fruits of the Holy Spirit, consider tongues as of fire and strong driving wind of love, of patience, of mm-hmm. joy. So we need to take how. Je- uh, I don't want to say gentle and compassionate because the spirit is there to, to, to throw mm-hmm. things around, but the spirit is there to throw love mm-hmm. and generosity and kindness into it. So there is, uh, <laughs> that's what Peter needed to rush out of that comfort of the upper room. Yeah. Out of the vulnerability and into the warmth, the true warmth of the spirit and to share that with others. Oh man. I just, I'm getting like the Holy spirit's moving, you know, (laughs) what you said. um, I think we think of, you know, those phrases, they are aggressive driving wind. And we think we think of aggression, just like we think in America that vulnerability is bad. I think we think aggression has to be a negative thing, you know, and you're talking about aggressive love, aggressive peace. What does that mean? Julia? Like it's beautiful is <laughs> what so if it, if we actually are doing that aggressive love, I think looks like people screaming in the streets for justice. I think that's what that looks like. Do you know what I mean? personally? I don't know. You know, I mean, you, you continue with the list, aggressive generosity. Yes. Oh my gosh. And that goes back to this passage originally, like the communal life, breaking bread, devoting yourself together in prayer and community, like aggressive generosity. And actually I back to my footnotes, I love mm-hmm. a footnote, like I said. Yep. So um, verse 42 footnote, um, as it describes that this distribution of goods and mm-hmm. devoting themselves to the communal life, um, meant that, and I'm quoting the footnote led wealthier Christians to sell their possessions when the needs of the community's poor required it. That's what that looked like according to the footnote. And I don't see that today, Mike, Michael, I don't see that today. <laughs> Julia, you've heard me say this before is especially being in church and doing church work. Julia, don't get political on me. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
if that's how you're interpreting it, because I'm <laughs> going to interpret scripture through the lens of Christ-like living. So if it's saying we should sell what we have so that others could benefit from it, um, not a not a political statement here, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, we can go, that's a whole nother podcast for another time. I feel like, but that's why I kind of, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, because if we look at scripture and we read the footnotes and we take the historical context, like this is what it was meant. And we're not, we're not living that life right now, you know? Well, of course. And, and Julia, I mean, we all love some warm and fuzzies, but right. I don't, that's not why personally I am a believer. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a, and I go on Sunday, you, you know, we have the warm and fuzzy homilies and they're great and wonderful, but you, I want to be challenged to my core. Mm-hmm. I want that strong driving wind, like mm-hmm. Peter's preaching in 37 to cut to my heart, to challenge me to go out and to be, to be thrust out of there like the Pentecost moment did for them. So mm-hmm. good, good. All of this should make us uncomfortable. It's a holy mm-hmm. uncomfortableness that mm-hmm. we are called to react to, not mm-hmm. passive, not passive. I know. And I, you know, when I, when I was so excited to go back to mass at Pentecost, like I mm. was like, oh, this is going to be beautiful. I'm going to feel those warm fuzzies, right? Because I'd been mm-hmm. in this kind of desert in my apartment mm-hmm. for the first half of quarantine. And I did not feel warm fuzzies because right outside of my, you know, uh, walking down my street, I can feel the pain of my community mm-hmm. because I see, I live in Richmond. I see um, the cries on that are literally spray painted all over, you know, these yep. monuments that are, that are uncomfortable. You know, like it, 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 I felt uncomfortable when I went to mass because I walked out to the, to the reality of what a holy aggression like looks <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it is uncomfortable, but now we're having the conversations that we needed to have a really long time ago um, and it's prompted me to, to move me to change. And I think that's what Peter's doing. I think that's what the Holy Spirit's meant to do. Cause like you said, to go all the way back to the beginning, they started in this upper room, they were afraid. And then the Holy Spirit moved them to do what they needed to do. Right. And maybe that's, what, maybe that's what we're doing right now. Right. You know, we're being moved. And, and, and Julia, the word moved is mm-hmm. we often throw that word around and say, Oh, I was moved to do this. No, no, no. I mean, like physically, physically, like physically moved, (laughs) physically moved out of hiding. Right. And we as a community, as a church, as a country have been hiding in the upper room, avoiding Mm. the fact that the world truly needs us to be moved Mm-hmm. with that so if you julia if you want to continue on galatians and the fruits of the holy spirit one day yeah. let's go with that one okay we can do it again <laughs> let's do it i know we i feel like we just started to get into it but we do kind of need to wrap up yeah um but i would love to have you back and do galatians next time i think that would be that'd be great we can continue it'd be part two of the pentecost scene <laughs> <laughs> amen um is there any like final kind of reflection or plug that you wanted to to give here oh. at the end Julia, I, I think the only thing that I have is that every time I get maybe a little frustrated or down about maybe how the church is doing or, mm-hmm. ma- you know, I love Mother Church, but I do sure. go back to Acts of the Apostles mm-hmm. because if this group could make it work, right, <laughs> then there is um, hope for us. There is a There is a shot because they did. 
they they of course trusted in the spirit but they also trusted in themselves it's because they built each other up mm-hmm. so acts of the apostles it's not just an easter book um mm-hmm. it is a book for it is a book for the vulnerable so so visit well it said. visit it and read it often right <laughs> oh i love that i really yeah i appreciate that because i think i do i'm like i get so excited about the easter season because we read from it and then i'm like i should be reading this so i think that's really good advice for us to always go back um, to this which is the found foundations of our faith so um that's that's it for today but we'll, we'll do it again and um for those of you listening that if you're on twitter and you want to respond or ask me questions or mention some other things about scripture you can find me at Miss Struckley one M S S T R U K E L Y one. Um, I don't know if you want people to talk to you on your social media or not, Michael. But um, if you want to leave a, are you on? You're not on Twitter or Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, but Michael okay. Michael Ruzicki is a common R U Z I C K I. Find me on Facebook. I'm there and would love to chat. Cool, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael, mm-hmm. and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye, everybody.